I really want to just encourage you this morning, something I really feel uh, God's speaking to me afresh. And as I came to the office during the week, and especially over the last probably few weeks, as I put my hand on the door handle as I walked into the, into the door, I started to contemplate again, why are you doing this? Instead of it just becoming a habit and, and just becoming a, a familiar pattern, why are you doing this? Why are you coming here today? Why are you doing what you're doing? And I started to contemplate over just a little while, uh, what's all this about anyway? What is the goal? What are, what are we here to do? The lights and the worship and the praise and the, and the offering. What is it all to do? Where, where is it all leading? Why are we doing it? Why am I doing it? Why am I giving my heart to it? What is it? Have I just got into a rut? What is the whole point? What is the goal? And as I started to think about it, and uh, why is it that I do what I do and what, don't do other things? Why is that? And uh, as I started to contemplate, I thought, why, again, why does even this church exist? Why do we meet here every Sunday? What is the purpose of it? What is the goal? What, where is this going to? What are we aiming to do? And I felt God speak to me afresh over, um, over this whole uh, idea of purpose, why I'm here, and why this church exists. And I want to encourage you, for you, if you're here for the first time, if you're just checking this place out, I want to welcome you, and I hope in this morning, this will give you an explanation and an understanding, and something in your heart will resonate why, and I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll unfold, but as I started to read this scripture, I started to, do, it's a, a scripture that uh, I've read a number of times, but as I started to mull over it again, I felt the Lord speak to me afresh, why are you doing it? And I've got a whole sense of purpose for my life. I've got a whole sense of purpose for the church and a sense of direction forward. It's not that I was completely lost or anything like that, but sometimes you've just got to come back to the point, why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah, Where are you? What are you doing there? Why are you doing what you're doing? And maybe you're watching online too, and I pray that this morning that, that faith would arise in your heart. And uh, this, this morning, uh, let's just read it out. And it's Mark chapter 10. In verse, from verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho, as Jesus went out of Jericho, with, dis, with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the wayside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called to the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, Arise, he is calling you. Somebody say arise this morning. Arise. And throwing off his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, go your way. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and follow Jesus on the road. Somebody say, rise. 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 I don't care 
what condition that you have come into this place here this morning. It doesn't matter what you are struggling with in your life. It doesn't matter where you may find your life at this point. God is speaking to us and God is speaking to you today. They rise, He is calling you. Am I in the right place? Am I in the right place? Wherever you've come from, whatever your state, whatever wayside that you have found yourself in, Jesus is calling you to rise. Friends, Jesus never calls us to shrink or to settle down. The call of God is always to rise. The, God, the call of God has, all, has never stopped. He's never stopped saying the same, that what he said back there. He is always calling us to arise. Rise, he is calling you. Jesus never stops calling you. Jesus never stops calling us. Jesus never stops calling you as a person, you as an individual. He never stops calling you as a people. He never stops calling us. Today, I want to tell you, rise whatever place you are inside of your heart today. Come on, if you're an African here this morning, wherever you are, God is calling you to arise. You may have come here today and you may be depressed inside. You may have come here today and you have experienced loss. You may be here today and you may have walked through hell. You may be here with an ankle bracelet around your ankle because you have made some negative choices. God is calling you today to arise. Come on. To a large degree, this encapsulates what we do as a church. One of the things I noticed was this, that Jesus' work is primarily spiritual. It's primarily spiritual. The work of Jesus Christ is to reconcile us back to, back to God the Father. and all. But most of it is primarily spiritual, but it is also outworks in a social context. In other words, his spiritual work outworks in the lives of men and women. His, his work, the, the nature of his spiritual work, there has to be an outworking of that in people's lives. There has to be a social manifestation. There has to be a social demonstration of the spiritual work that he has done. Otherwise, what good it is it that I can receive the spiritual gifts, receive a spiritual transformation, only to receive it in eternity, but my life on earth today is hell. They say that the opposite is equally true. If we focus too much effort or all of our efforts on the social side of things, your now may be fixed, but your eternity could be in trouble. Behind every social issue, behind every emotional issue, behind every struggle, behind every... Uh, work of darkness, there is a spiritual influence in our lives. My encouragement to us as a church is there has to be a demonstration of what we profess that we believe that is outworked in the environment around us. Otherwise, what good is it? Hello? There has to be a transformation in the lives of people. There has to be 
somewhere, somewhere, the social environment, the, 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 the life that, somebody, that people live has to shift. That is why I come here. This is why I give praise and honour to God. This is why we come together, that those who are in darkness, that there is a, not this, that we have a good time in here, but there is a social demonstration of our faith. There is a demonstration in our, of our faith in the business world and the education world and the relational world and the emotional space of people's lives that there is a demonstration of what we profess that we believe around our lives. Otherwise, what purpose is there? As I was looking, as I started to read this piece of Scripture here, whenever you look throughout the world around us, there is always a social framework that is constructed, that is established. And you will find that there are social frameworks that are conducive for people to arise. But there are social frameworks that make it difficult for people to rise. Hello. God's plan for your life is never for you to remain the same. Never to remain the same. Even Paul talks about, he said, there is a, he said, I press on to the upward call of Christ Jesus. Jesus is always calling us to come from whatever place down here we are at. Whether you are a murderer, whether you are a fraudster, whether you have come from the brokenest of broken families, wherever that bottom point is, God calls us to come from wherever we are there, up, not down. Church must be a place where people are called upwards. One of the things that I felt God speak to me before I picked up, as I started to pick up this church, he said, there's two, th two words he put into my heart. One was people. It is about people is not about you. It's not about building a massive institution or anything like that or a great big church franchise or anything like that. It is about people, my people. People is what I gave my life for, not an institution. Not a church corporation. I didn't get, I gave my life for people that they would become a family, that they would come into maturity in me, that they would discover all that I have created them to be. He also gave me the other word, was environment. You have to create an environment that is structured to a point, or that is, there has to be structure because you, environments are either just organic in which weeds grow, or you can instruct, you can create an environment, you can set an environment that is conducive to growth. Or you can create an environment that is not conducive to growth that holds people back. So one of those, for me as a church and for us as a church, I want to create an environment, not for the sake of having goosebumps, but create an environment of praise, that creates an environment of honour, that creates an environment of respect, that creates a structure, not that it holds people down, but creates a framework for people to grow and to discover all they are in Christ Jesus. If I could encapsulate why I do what I do and what this whole church is about, it is not about creating a name Bay City Church. That's not what it's about. It is about you. It is about your life, finding out wherever you are, what, God, what your story is about. And then that there is a 
transposing of God's story in your life and that you become all that God has created you to be. That is the goal of why we are here today. In a nutshell, I mean, there's a bunch of other things as well. As I started to read this, here's blind Bartimaeus. And he sat by the wayside begging. He sat by the wayside begging. Whenever we see the word wayside, there is meaning behind that. And I started to look. He was on the side of the road begging. He was a beggar and he lived on the side of the road. He was blind. So there's a number of issues that are surrounding his life. One of the things we don't find him, we don't see him in the middle of the road. The road has, has a significant spiritual meaning. But he was on the wayside. When somebody was on the wayside, it means, symbolically it means, that they are in a place of brokenness. Whenever you saw the, way, the wayside, it was a place where the rubbish was often left. It was a place where, the, uh, where what was on the road was just washed off into the side. But it was a place of brokenness and despair. The def, one of the definitions out of the dictionary says is this. It's out of consideration. In other words, you're not in a place of consideration. You are on the outside of consideration. You are in a place of neglect or disused, usually associated with a fall. We often hear the word, they fell by the wayside. When somebody falls by the wayside, it means they have come off their assignment. They have come off what God had called them to do or whatever, maybe in a business context. They have they've fallen by the wayside. They've, they've lost momentum inside of their life. Something has happened in their life that has caused them either to fall on the wayside, fall into a place of um, where they're not considered anymore, where they fell into a place of worthlessness, fell into a place of disempowerment. Here, this particular man, he sat in the place of the wayside. He was blind, and he was a beggar, and he sat in the place of the wayside. You may be here today, you may have a lot of things going for your life, even watching online. But what we find is this, as a result of sin and as a result of brokenness, all of us find ourselves on the wayside in certain parts of our life. Sometimes we, our outside parents can be really good looking, but actually on the inside, we're sitting on the wayside. Hello? Wherever you look around us, you can see people that visibly can be looking on the wayside. But you can also see people that are visibly maybe looking good. But if you ask a little few questions and you see what comes out of their mouth and you see what's going on inside of, the world, inside of their world, inside of their imagination, inside of their heart, you can easily see that there's no sense of direction for your life. You're in a place of disuse. So many people abuse. So many people that are sitting by the wayside in life. You look at this, another word was this. Whenever Jesus, the Bible says when Jesus talks about a parable about the soul when he sowed some seed, he said some fell by the wayside and those that fell by the wayside were trampled under feet. They were trampled under feet and the birds of the air came and plucked it up. 
You'll find that when people are sitting in the wayside, they're stuck in the wayside. They get stuck in a ditch of life. Maybe it's an emotional ditch. Maybe it's a spiritual ditch. Maybe it's a relational ditch. But they get stuck in the ditch of life and they feel like in their lives that they've been walked over, trodden on, worthless, good for nothing, and packed. What the, the definition of, uh, of the birds was actually demons. They're harassed by demon spirits. You don't have to look very far in our beautiful world to see how many people's lives you can see people sitting by the wayside. Some people disguise it really well. Other people, it's quite visible. Regardless, you'll find many people find themselves sitting by the wayside. I wonder, you start to read this piece of scripture, and he was a beggar. One of the things about, I started to consider is, One of the main issues in the world today is an issue of identity. An issue of identity. What you are or how you are, how you are identified. And this particular man, they... He was assigned an identity. His assigned identity was that of a beggar. It wasn't something he necessarily chose, but he got to a point where he was assigned the identity of a beggar. One of the things I started to consider was this, is that that is so typical of what we do and how quickly we can assign identities to people based on their brokenness. We can assign, and maybe you're here today and you, maybe it's been spoken or maybe it's been unspoken or felt, but people either, funny enough, we did that, uh, Pastor Mike just did the, the, the freedom, the, the sons and daughters retreat. The whole idea was this, is that we'd find our identity in Christ because if we find it in what's been labeled upon us or find it in what we have tried to label ourselves with, that's a recipe for disaster. You were born in the image of Christ and it's the mission of Christ to bring us back into a full identity in who Christ has called you to be. One of the biggest struggles in the world is the issue of identity. Where do I fit and where do I belong? People who are assigned a dentist, an identity based on their problem, based on their social group, based on their race, based on their theological position, based on the church that they go to, or based on the space or the neighborhood in which they live, what they have, what they don't have, what they look like, what they sound like, who they hang out with. You will find that there is a propensity inside people to label somebody according to what their problem is. Even the writer here, Mark did it. He was blind and he was a beggar. Whenever you risk, most people, whenever they hear the word Bartimaeus, they are, he is known as blind Bartimaeus. That is not a positive context. Even the writer himself saw this man as blind. He identified him as somebody that had a fault. Social groups can be identified as people that have a fault as opposed to people that were born in the image of Christ that have got something inside of the nature of Christ that is just longing for an environment to be created that it can call out the best of them. What I find is many places, like I said, they, the Scripture goes that 
he was assigned, he was a beggar, he was assigned the identity of a beggar. That means he was assigned what he could do and what he couldn't do. And when he could do it and when he could not do it. And so when he was had an assigned identity, there was things that were either spoken or unspoken about who he was, what he could do, what he couldn't do, how he could speak, how he couldn't speak. And you'll find that this mentality operates in many sectors of our societal world today. Whenever, some, I mean, one of the things we like is this, the, the whole word of equality that comes up. What do you mean by equality? What you find is this, People like equality when people are below us and they come up to our level, but not many people like equality when somebody starts to rise above where we are at. That's when equality starts to change. When somebody starts to do better than us, when somebody starts to rise above, when somebody starts to make some decisions and say, I'm going to start to break out of this label that go- that's been placed around me by society. I'm going to start to be- break out of this label that's been placed around me by-, by the things that I've done in the past. I'm going to be- break out of the label that somebody, that some person put a mark beside my name or somebody came and made a judgment in the courtroom. I'm going to break out of that identity and to the full identity of what Christ has called me to be. You can see that there's a struggle. There are some societies, society is structured in some ways in order to suppress identity. Not impossible, but for some places it is difficult to rise. And what really upset me a little while ago was hearing that even some church environments got somehow got to the place where it suppressed people's giftings, it suppressed the call of God inside some people's lives. And they had to get out of the church in order for it to really rise. My word. My word. It started to speak into my heart afresh. I, I, I understand structure. I understand processes and things like that. But not to the point where it suppresses the growth and suppresses the upward call of people's lives. Hello? Hello? Social structures have a way of suppressing people. And one of the things that we know about Jesus is this, that he was really good at disrupting social structures. Sometimes felt, sometimes perceived, sometimes actual, but he was very good at disrupting structures that cause people to be suppressed. Interesting, it says um, in in John 1 verse 46, Nathanael said these words regarding Jesus Christ. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, there was a, a social limitation that was placed over a small town that captivated people's thinking to the point where 
Can anything good come out of that place? There was the belief, there was the mentality that because that place was small, because of that place was by the wayside, because it was just out of there and not part of the biggest city, that nothing significant could come out of that place. You could find that in social groups and social dynamics. They get marginalized, put into a place where they have a negative connotation. The question is asked, can anything possibly good come out of that people group? One of the things that you'll find is in, in this house, in this church, in this whānau, is that there's always been a place where people have been found by the wayside. Found in maybe a social structure or family structure or a spiritual structure. It's been found in a place where they have been left by the wayside. And I was thinking even about Dannyberg. We came from Dannyberg. People are like, Dannyberg, where's that? Is that somewhere near Wellington? But the amount of men and women of God that has come out of a place that's so insignificant, that would seem insignificant, even a place like this in comparison to the rest of the world, we're a small city. But yet our impression, the mark that we have made in the world today is because somebody made a decision in their heart to rise above any social constraint, any religious constraint. And one of the things that you'll find is this. There will be voices that will tell us, you're praising too loud. Your music's too loud. Your worship's too loud. Your preaching's too loud. He's not supposed to preach like that. You're too much. You're too this. You're too that. You need to come down. You need to be quiet. Your faith is a wee bit too loud. <laughs> Quieten down. The Bible says that Bartimaeus, he started to shout even more. And I know that some of you, you've walked through parts in your life that are pretty dark. And maybe you're here today and you're in a dark place right now. You may feel like you have been forgotten. You may have felt like everyone else has passed you by. But I want to tell you today that God has not passed you by. You may be here today and you may be feeling like that you're sitting in the wayside. But I want to tell you today, Jesus Christ is here and he is calling you to arise. He goes on to say this. Many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out even the more. I want to encourage you today. Let the sound of faith arise out of your mouth. You cannot just sit there. I'm not going to sit there with my arms folded and just sit by the side of the road. No way. I'm sick of watching people walk past, sitting in darkness. Darkness in my soul, darkness in my emotions, darkness, depression. No way. Don't you dare try and tell me to shut up. Just because I'm a little lower than you, yeah, it's in your comfort space. But once I start to rise, once I start to lift my voice, once I start to give Jesus some honour, once I start to cry out, God. Sometimes we mistake 
one voice for another voice. Sometimes the voice, you've got to hear, no, that's a, that's a cry of help. That's not a cry of anger. That's, that's a cry of somebody in a place of desperation. Jesus stood still. I want Jesus to stand still in here. I want my, my prayer, regardless of what I'm going through, whatever darkness I may be in, whatever darkness that you may be in, how are you going to have people around you to tell you to shut up? But don't let that voice, the voice of society that's used to you, you may have a dream to be successful in life. That voice around you, the crowd around you may say, oh, you can't do that because you've become from this tribe or you're because you're born into that family. You've got no, there's no hope of you becoming successful. You forget about that. You quieten down. Same thing would happen with Joshua. Same thing would happen with, with uh, Isaac. Uh, um, you know the man's name. He, he had a dream. I've got a dream that, God's, that the sun, moon and stars are going to bow down to me. And his brothers said, you shut up. That's the one. I knew I'd get it. I've got another dream. It's even bigger. Whatever dream that you've got in your heart, don't let the voice of, that familiar voice of the crowd try and suppress that. If you've got a dream to be great in God, you be great in God. If you've got a dream to do well in finances, you do well and you rise far above. If you've got a dream to get your own home, you buy 10 of them. If you've got a, a dream to travel the world and be used powerfully by God, I am going to stop you. Some of you, you've been living in environments that have held you back. You're listening to the wrong voices. I want this place, this house, my heart to be a place that doesn't say, shut up. I want my voice to come a place. I want this voice, the voice of Bay City Church, to be a voice where when somebody's in darkness and somebody starts to cry out, that we're not telling them to be quiet. That we can speak to them and say, you shout a little bit louder. Come on. Listen to this. And Jesus stood still, commanded him to be called. Interesting this. Jesus never directly called the person. He sent messengers over to the person to say, arise, he's calling you. My job as a pastor is to carry that message, not just to you, but to our nation, to people groups, whatever darkness they may be in. Carry that message of Jesus Christ. Arise. He is calling you. We've got to create an environment in this house, not just on Sundays, but every moment of the week. The people that we come to, arise. He is calling you. Jesus never stops calling. There are people in here today. God is calling you. The call of God is strong upon your life. You've got things that have got around you, put you into the gutter. Today I'm calling you to arise. Next week we have a prophet that will come and he'll bring a message from Jesus. It's not to condemn you, it's not to suppress you. 
but it will call you to arise. Interesting, he said, you look at the response that he gave. Jesus is calling you. Oh, yeah. It might come, it might come, you might hear it like this next, Sunday, next week. You might hear it like this. Your name. You're called to be an apostle. What? Yes, you. He's calling you. When you hear God call you, may come through a messenger, most likely it will, especially next Sunday, especially every Sunday. (laughs) Don't stand there or sit there. (laughs) When the worship leader comes on Sunday, say, come on people, let's stand to our feet and give God honour. Let praise arise. They just sit there with their arms folded. Jesus said this, he said, he said, this man, he, he didn't need to be asked twice. <laughs> Sometimes people got to be asked a hundred times, calling you. Next prophet through, pastor next Sunday, he's calling you. Number 50th time, he's calling you. What, who, me? Yes, you. Yes, you. He's calling you to be a great father, a great husband. He's calling you to be a great man, a great woman of God. He's calling you to be a great songwriter. He's calling you to be a great teacher. He's calling you to be a great pastor. He's calling you to be a great artist. He's calling you to be a great banker. He's calling, no, maybe not that one. No, but he's calling you to be a great. (laughs) Immediately. He leapt to his feet, threw off that blanket. He threw off that thing that identified him as a, as a failure, as a, as a beggar. Shane Willard's got a great teaching on this. That was his license to beg. He threw off that identity before he even received his sight. Faith is demonstrated in action. Faith comes by hearing. When you hear, you listen to the, you take note of his response when he heard. When he heard the song letters start, when he heard the, 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 somebody speak into his life, when he heard God speak, even though it was through somebody else, his response was, yes! Listen to this. When apostle comes next week and if he calls your name out and he starts to pull out your name, that's just not random guessing. That is not just like flipping a coin and saying, let's just see what name we come out with. No, 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 no. That is Jesus speaking, calling you by name, calling you by date of birth, calling you. When He moves in that way, just get up on your feet. Don't let that little voice inside of you saying, no, just sit down, it's just not about you. No. Get up on your feet. That is God speaking His life. God is identifying you. God is calling you out. Don't be typical. Be an African. 
And he comes and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, isn't it obvious? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. I love this. Just finishing here. And then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. He didn't just have his eyes received, his sight returned. His whole life was transformed. And I noticed the thing about, one of the things I noticed about what Jesus said was this. He didn't even ask him to follow him. He said, you've got options now. Go your way. In other words, your faith has made you whole. What is it? Whatever you find in your heart, just go do it. Go your way. Options is free choice. He didn't say, you've got to make, uh, uh, make sure you go and sign up over here. <laughs> oh, by, by the way, he's a tithing envelope, just in case. <laughs> make sure you go and do that, 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 that. No, he didn't say any of that. He said, go your way. Jesus will always give you options. You've always got free choice about what you're gonna do. He's not gonna try and control you. Now I love this. Even though he got set free, he was made whole. Go your way. But his response again was this. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. The goal of why I do what I do, why I get up and pray and fast for you, is one, that you could receive your sight, that you could come out of whatever gutter that you are in, that you could be made whole, and that you could follow Jesus. That's about it. I don't want you to follow an organisation. I want you to follow Jesus. I want more than anything for you to walk in the fullness of the path that Jesus Christ has for you. That's it. You've got options, you've got choices. You can go this way, you can go that way, you can do anything you like. My prayer is that you would follow Jesus. I also pray this, and that you would commit your heart to the voice of people that would say, rise, He is calling you. For us as a church, the louder and the bigger we can make that voice sound into our nation, into our neighbourhoods, into our people groups, arise, He is calling you. You may be here and you may be 70 years old. You may feel like you're marginalised because you're too old. You've looked in that category there. You are not too old. You are not too old to rise. You are not too broken to rise. You have not made too many mistakes where you cannot rise. You are not too young to rise. Wherever you are not too dark, you are not too white, you are not too this, you are not too that. You are not to nothing for you just to 
rise. Wherever you are in your life right now, you may have been gutterized by your family. You may be left by the wayside. May I encourage you today, be of good cheer. Arise. He is calling you. He is calling us. Let's just stand to our feet this morning.